Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by the Ham Station. Get your new radio or antenna by calling 800-729-4373 or go to hamstation.com. It's Ham Radio. Good evening to everybody. This is Ham Talk Live, episode number 18. License study with Dan Romanchik, KB6NU, recorded live on Thursday, June 16th, 2016. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, Dan Romanchik, KB6NU, will take your calls about the No-Nonsense Study Guide. The new edition for the Extra Class Exam is now out, and we'll talk about the changes, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week on the show, Newsline's Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, was here to talk about her role as the writer of Amateur Radio Newsline and the Bill Pasternak Memorial episode that came out on Friday, so if you haven't listened to that, check out arnewsline.org. And if you missed the show, you can download it at any time at hamtalklive.com or on most of the podcast sites or YouTube. Also want to mention that today I updated the guest list. It's now online. Uh, We tried to pick some of the guests that you wanted to ask questions of. And so hopefully you will call in with some of those questions Uh, for our guests, so you can check that out over at hamtalklive.com. After the next break, be ready to call in with your questions. You can call us on Skype at the username hamtalklive or by telephone. The number is 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. You can also tweet us. You can send a question on Twitter Our Twitter handle is at HamTalkLive. So we'll come back and do a little interview. Uh, Then we'll take a break, and then we will take your calls live with Dan Romanchik, KB6NU, right after this word from the Ham Station, right here on HamTalkLive. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by The Ham Station. For 35 years, The Ham Station has brought new and used radios, antennas, accessories, and equipment to the amateur radio community. Give Jeff or Dan a call at 1-800-729-4373 or order online at hamstation.com. Hamstation carries all the major brands like Icom, Yezu, and Kenwood. 
Shop from a wide selection of radio scanners, MFG accessories, Heil Sound products, Mirage and Ameritron amplifiers, Cushcraft antennas, and more. Easy online shopping and fast shipping are waiting for you at hamstation.com or call 1-800-729-4373. The Ham Station, proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. The grass may be greener on the other side, but at least we don't have to mow it. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. The ham station has you covered for both new and used equipment. Give Dan or Jeff a call at 800-729-4373 or go to hamstation.com. Be sure to listen to the show every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here on hamtalklive.com. Also check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Just search for Ham Talk Live. Dan Romanchik, KB6NU, is coming to you live from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Dan is the author of several books, including the No Nonsense Amateur Radio License Study Guides, 21 Things to Do After You Get Your Amateur Radio License, and the CW Geek's Guide for Having Fun with Morris Code. Dan was first licensed in 1971, but didn't become very active until, uh, in ham radio, rather, until field day of 2002. Since then, he's been very active on the air and has one of the top ham radio blogs. That's over at kb6nu.com. Dan works a lot of CW and encourages others to use the mode. And at the Dayton Hamvention this year, he spoke about how to learn and have fun with CW at the CW Forum. Dan serves as the ARRL Michigan Section Training Manager. And three or four times a year, he teaches a one-day technician class. For those classes, he uses his own no-nonsense study guide. The PDF version is available for free on his website, uh, but it's also available in Kindle and Nook versions for a modest charge, and the print version is also available. That's on Amazon. Uh, Professionally, Dan is a freelance technical writer and a website developer. Dan, welcome this evening to Ham Talk Live. Nice to be here, Neil. So let's let's start off with the uh, extra class because the extra class question pool is going to change here in just about two weeks on July the 1st. The new question pool takes effect and thus um, your new book, uh, The No Nonsense Guide to the Extra Class uh, License um, Study Guide, um, Includes all of those changes, and so what are some of the changes to the question pool this time around? Well, you know, I, I was really impressed with the new question pool because what they've done is gotten rid of a lot of the old questions and reorganized some of the, the sections so that the relevant questions are grouped together more closely. I'll give you an example. Um in uh, one of the sections, they had uh, questions about klystrons and para- parametric amplifiers. Well, I don't know about you, but I've never used a klystron, and I would guess 99.9% of hams out there haven't. And I, I didn't even know what a parametric amplifier was. So they removed those questions. 
Um, on the other hand, they added questions. Uh, in a later section, they added some questions on solar array charge controllers. And, you know, that's gotten to be a big thing is powering your station by uh, using solar panels. So they, they've added a lot of uh, uh, more relevant questions and gotten rid of some of the old ones. And that's, that's the major change. Yeah, I think over the years they're doing a little bit better job of that. I remember one of the things that we used to always complain about uh, on the technician exam was the question about Guam. I don't know if you remember that one, but what ITU region is Guam in? That was one (laughs) of the questions. (laughs) And, And we're like, okay, now wait a minute. The intent of the question here is, so that people realize Guam is in a different ITU region, therefore there are different band allocations. But instead of making the question ask that, the question was, what ITU region is Guam in? And so yeah. that was one of the things that I was adamant about, and and some others were as, as well. I wasn't the first that that said, hey, we we need to revamp these these questions around, and we've got maybe the right material, but we're not asking them in the right way. And I think over the years, that's that's gotten a lot better. Yeah, I do too. And and that bomb question hasn't been on the last couple of question pools anyway. So yeah, yeah, it's been it's been changed around so that it does ask the you know the intent rather than right you know just. Oh, is it one, two, or three? You know, which which region is it? So I think it's three, isn't it? Yeah, I believe it is. I believe it is three, actually. Uh, but it always, you know, that one always always threw me, and I, I don't know. But I, I think they're doing doing a better job. So um, if you're taking an extra class test and you've been using the current study materials, we want to make sure everybody knows you've got until the end of the month. And after that, uh, starting on July 1st, the new question pool takes effect. Now, just because that happens doesn't necessarily mean that you're out of luck. It's just the way the questions are worded, right? Right. And and I think about between 15 and 20 percent of the questions are different. So, you know, if you if theoretically, if you knew all the all the answers to all the questions, you'd still pass the test. But, you know, there's a quite a few questions that are different. So if you want to practice those particular questions, uh, make sure you pay attention to the dates on your study guides or on your on your manuals um, and make sure and that that's the for pra- the right one. And the practice and the taking test. the practice tests online. Yeah. Yes, yes. And there's many different sites uh, for that. We may even talk about that a little bit, a little bit if we want Um but uh, those practice tests, there are different versions because that's going to change on July 1st. So make sure you're you're using the right ones. Well, yep. tell us a little bit about your study guide uh, that's just coming out for the extra and how that's different from some of the others that are available. Well, you know, I call it the no-nonsense study guide because... It really is kind of no nonsense. I, I I don't really, and I get criticized for this, I don't really try to teach the material, but I try to teach people the how to pass the test. And especially for the technician class test, I do that because 
I think that people need to get a license to a lot of people learn by doing and how can they do without a license so so they you know they really want to get that license and that's what my study guide's about just to cut to the chase um i had one guy uh email me after he passed this test and he said you know dan he said your your study guide said in one paragraph he was talking about a particular topic said in one paragraph what it took the um L study guide one or two pages to do so that that kind of gives you a feel for for how my study guides are written. Yeah, I was looking at uh, at a sample on uh, on the Kindle app, and we were talking about this before the show. I, I the way I would kind of describe your study guide is that it's a narrative, it's a story where you're starting out with this topic, and then you r- write a story, and then in bold you've got the questions, you know, the information that's in the question itself. So it reads like a story. It's not so much a manual, but a true study guide. It's a thing that you read and you notice the bold print things. And so it really does cut down to the chase where you may still need some explanations on some of these things, but this is the study guide version. Exactly. And, and, um, it's kind of an interesting story how, it, how I started doing these things. Um, about, uh, oh, I guess maybe 10 years ago now, uh, we were at field day, you know, field day's coming up. Uh, we were, we're at field day. I'm at the public information table and a guy comes up to me and he says, Hey, you know, I, I've written this study guide and I'm trying to get more people to use it. And I had, he'd read my blog, I guess, and so I looked at it, and it it, it was written in that same same uh, style. And uh, I said, "Well, I'll put it on my blog," you know. And um, I put it on my blog. Two years later, the question pool was updated, and it and it was pretty popular on the blog. Two two years later, the question pool was updated, and I tried to find this guy. I tried to find him and ask him if he was going to update it, and uh, I couldn't even find him. I, I looked him up on QRZ.com. I sent a, he had no email address listed. I sent him a, a postal mail. Never got a response. I said, "Well, this thing's too good to just let go." So I uh, updated that uh, that version, and uh, then I added the general and extra class versions. So that's that's how I kind of got into it. So I I can't even really take credit for the style per se, although a lot of that content is uh, is mine. Yeah, you know the storytelling part. Sure. One of the things we were talking about again before the show, maybe we ought to record before and after these shows. It seems like we always have good <laughs> discussions before and after the shows that, that people would benefit from. But uh, one of the things that I was talking to you about being an educator professionally is, is learning styles and that different people learn in different ways. There's auditory learners and visual learners and tactile learners and all these different types of learning. And most people, for some reason, I, once again, I'm the exception to this, but most people favor one heavily. And so where some people may do better with one of the traditional study manuals, let's, we'll call it, they really need this this reading, this narrative style to help them get it. And like you said, it cuts to the chase. So 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a different approach to the same thing, um, and we're we're ending up at the same point. And because, like, think think about this. You know, I'm I have an electrical engineering degree. It took me four years to learn this material from from a engineering slash scientific viewpoint. Well, you know, we're not going to do that in ham radio, right? Nobody's going to take that much time. So it's, you know, like I say, I get criticized sometimes for the for the lack of technical depth. But, that, I mean, this is a hobby, you know. That's still, it's still kind of the way it is. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate that, um, that we don't have a, a chance to, you know, teach more and build more in at, at the beginning, uh, you know, your, your philosophy here and a lot of people is that, you know, you get the license and then you start learning it and it takes time. It does. It takes a lot of time to, to do that. And there's just too much to cram in all at once. And, uh, right. so I think, you know, I think that's a, a good approach for a lot of people is, is to, to do it that way. And and I consider every one of my students, and even almost every one of my readers, as my Elmeries. And they're free to contact me, call me, email me if they've got questions about anything. And a lot do. A lot, uh, you know, a lot of them do. And I help them as much as I can. And uh, you know, if they're not here in Ann Arbor, it's kind of harder. But even so, I get lots of emails on different topics, and um, I try to answer them. And and that's the, that's how I work around the uh, you know lack of actually teaching the material, if you will. Yeah, the depth. Yeah, yeah the depth. The depth. Yeah, very good. And there are other sources for the depth. You know, you could use this with one of the other uh, manuals, or um, I know um, reading on your your blog, you often just recommend Google. Yeah, there's lots of stuff on Google. You know, I mean, it's amazing. It's 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 amazing how much is on Google, really. Yeah, it, there's, the there's just so much. Yeah, there's just so much stuff out there. And thank goodness for Google for pointing us in the where to go on the net to to get it. Yeah. Um, so remind everybody how uh, they can get a copy of this. Okay, did just go to my study uh, my uh, website kb6nu.com. There's a uh, link right on the homepage to the study guides page. And uh, like you said, the uh, PDF version of the technician class study guide is free. Uh, there's a charge for um, uh, the Kindle and Nook versions. And then there's a link to um, Amazon for the uh, print version. And that's for all three study guides. Okay, so be sure to check that out. That's kb6nu.com. And then you can uh, look on Amazon or on Nook. Um, for the print and the um, the ebook version of the study guide. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about before we take a break and take everybody's uh, questions here, uh, hopefully we've got some questions lined up for you. If not, I do. But um, how do you cram everything for a technician class into a single day? I, I've I've done a lot of classes. I, I teach. For a living, and and I teach ham radio as, as well, and I've done, you know, I've done the traditional ten to th- thirteen week classes. I've done four weeks. Uh, I've done you know a variety of things. But one time, uh, three of us kind of pitched in and and did a weekend class. We did it in two days, 
and we liked never finished. I mean, the last <laughs> couple of sub elements, it was like, okay, and now the, okay, now it's time to take your test. And <laughs> and so, how do you cram all that into one day? <laughs> well, so so there's several sort of tricks of the trade. First off, I even I'm I'm require everybody to pre-register. Not. Not, not that I really kind of need them to pre-register, but it gives me their email addresses so I can email them information about the class. And the mo- one of the most important things I tell them is to download the study guide immediately, wh- however long before the class is going to take place, and just start reading through it and maybe take some online practices. That gets them prepared for the class. Then once we get into the class, the, one of the first things I'd say in, in the class is... I'm not really trying to teach you the material here. I'm trying to teach you enough to pass the test. And I tell him, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through all this material pretty quickly. I will take some questions, but, at some po- but, I'm, but I don't get distracted. I, you know, at, at some point, if the answer gets too long, I just cut it and move on. Because we do have to get through all the questions in the question pool before the VEs come in. So... Armed with those two, and and I start and stop on time. I start right in, you know, right on time in the morning. We take a half an hour for lunch. I I don't wait. If people aren't back from lunch, I just I have to start because there's all that material to get through. The other thing I do, and I think this is kind of an important thing. I I follow my study guide from front to back, okay, and just in that exact order. And the way my study guide is is organized is all the technical material comes first. So the first thing I teach teach about cover is the Ohm's law, how to calculate power. Then you know we get into the circuit uh, diagrams and the you know talk about the components. So we, we cover all that that uh, technical material early in the morning when they're still kind of fresh. And then we go through the rules and regulations and operating practices later in the afternoon where it, it doesn't really matter. You don't have to think so much about that stuff, but just sort of memorize the answers. And, you know, that's the other thing about the tech test. A lot of those, a lot of those questions you can only learn by memorizing, right? I mean, there's no, there's no way to memorize that 52.5 or, well, I guess you, you can't calculate that. But, but there are a lot of questions, especially the rules. You know, there's no way you, you're, you can, yeah, what is the Go function from, of a control operator? That's right. You know, well, yeah. how how much power can you can you run when right. operating a radio control model? I mean, those are all just memorization, you know. So so anyway, that I think that's that's a key point too is to is the order in which I cover the topics. Very good. Um, any other big suggestions to people who are teaching one of these uh, one day or weekend classes as opposed to the to the long drawn out yeah one one thing one thing i one thing i do is is i and of course now i've I've done this a a number of times already so i'm i'm pretty practiced at it but but go to go along with what you said about my study guide i tell stories i tell stories as we go through that keeps people's interest and it brings home the point i'll give you an example there's several questions on the test about um, using ferrite chokes if you have a noise problem and I always tell the story of the of the first forty meter dipole I put up at this my house here. I, I stretched out the dipole. I got my antenna analyzer out. I tuned it up. Everything looked great. I uh, go down to the shack and start calling CQ. 
The next thing I know, my wife's running down the stairs. What are you doing? She says. I said, well, I'm just here calling CQ. She says, well, you're opening and closing the garage door. <laughs> and it's true. So, so that and the, the way it worked was that the, the dipole was run almost parallel to the wire from the switch on the wall to the to the garage door opener and of course those garage door openers did not have any noise suppression on their input and it was just picking up that rf and opening and closing so what did i do i got a ferry choke wound it wound a few uh, turns around it worked like a charm i haven't had a trouble since so that, so telling that story brings home that point about the ferry choke that that reminds me of a, a story. I, I had found this thing that I just thought was just incredible. It was it was a wireless microphone. Mm-hmm. So you'd plug in the, the little receiver in into the mic jack, and then you had this little almost walkie-talkie like microphone with this yeah. telescopic antenna on it, and it used uh, forty nine megahertz, I think it was, and um, so. I loved that thing because I could turn the radio up in my um, parents' bedroom, which is where the radios were, and I could go into my room and I could still hear it, you know, and I could be, you know, walk into my room and grab something and then come back, you know, without having to having to drop it. This is before we had $30 handhelds. And uh, one day I noticed that I, I made a phone call and on my cordless phone and every time I hung up I heard bun up <laughs> I'm like wait a minute that's the courtesy tone on the repeater and, and so I I you know got a dial tone and then I hit it again and turned the phone off and I hear bun up <laughs> and yep sure enough my cordless phone was on the same frequency as the <laughs> wireless That's microphone right. and so yeah thankfully whoever i called that day did not answer <laughs> so yeah that, those things happen and th- that does make you know it makes it interesting so that way you know you can use that to teach something like interference or um you know um, a lot of people don't realize just how much stuff is up there 2.4 gigahertz and why your wi-fi doesn't work well yeah, there's a bazillion things up there. So, um, yeah, yeah, the stories other are always good. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, the, the other suggestion I'd make, and everybody's different, and I've gotten a little pushback on this. I don't use PowerPoint slides at all. It's all me talking to them and telling them stories. I think I think PowerPoints generally put people to sleep, especially if you're talking about six hours of it, right? And so I, you know, I just don't, I just don't use them. I walk around, I draw things on the board, all that activity gets them to follow me and not fall asleep. Yeah. So there's, I, there's a balance there. Definitely. I, I use PowerPoint a lot, but you can get PowerPointed to death. Right. Right. So I, I, I go the total, you know, totally off it, but everybody's got a little different way to do it. But, but be ca- I just say, be careful of that, you know? Sure. Sure. Well, it's time to take our break. Uh, but after the break, we will take your calls. So if you have a question about the new extra class pool or the study guides or teaching, uh, one of these classes or, or finding one of these classes, whatever, uh, for Dan Romanchik, KB6NU, 
give us a call. It's 812-NET-HAM-1 uh, is the phone number. That brings you in on Skype, or you can just Skype directly at Ham Talk Live. So we'll be back with your calls right after this message from Tower Electronics. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics has been the Ham's dime store since 1978, bringing connectors, antennas, cables, and other parts to the world. Scott and Jill travel the country bringing their store to you at HamFest, but you can also order online at pl-259.com or by calling 920-435-2973. Stock up on those supplies like PL259 and end connectors, audio cables, mobile antennas, and hamsticks. Their silver-plated end connectors are even in use on the International Space Station. Tower Electronics is a dealer for MFJ, Comet, Daiwa, OPEC, Workman, and HamPro Technologies. Tower Electronics, online at pl-259.com, proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Hey, baby, I'd love to be in your grid square. Join the conversation. Call us on voice with Skype at Ham Talk Live or give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. We'd like to thank Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show once again tonight so we can bring you Ham Talk Live. They will be at the Monroe, Michigan Ham Fest on Sunday, and then next uh, they have Oak Creek, Wisconsin on July 9th. If you can't make it to one of those, give them a call at 920-435-2973. Or you can visit them online at pl-259.com. Be sure to listen every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here on hamtalklive.com. And if you miss the show, you can download the podcast from the website and most popular podcasting websites. So it is time for your calls. So now's the time. If you have a question that you'd like to ask, give us a call on Skype. At Ham Talk Live, or if Skype isn't your thing, you can call us by telephone. The number is 812-NET-HAM-1. 812-NET-HAM-1. And we will take your questions and see if we can answer those for you. Dan Romanchik, KB6NU's our guest, the author of the No-Nonsense Study Guides. So we will stand by here and see if we get any phone calls for you. Um... While we're waiting here, um, let's talk a little bit about the CW. I know that's one of your uh, big things, and you had a presentation uh, at um, Dayton this year on CW. So tell us a little bit about the CW, and if you want to call in, just go right ahead and call in. We'll, We'll take your call. Oh, I'm sorry, Dan. I forgot to hit your button here. So oh, that's right. Go. So they didn't hear that. So go. Oh. Go ahead. Okay. You know, for so for old timers like me, I got my license in 1971. You know, we had to pass a code test, so we knew all about code. But since there's been no code test requirement, CW has gotten to be kind of a little. There's gotten to be kind of a little bit of a mystique about it, and so I just wanted to try and break down that mystique, show that it's. 
you know, it's not rocket science and uh, it's a lot of fun. So so that was the that was the whole thrust of my talk at Dayton. And and of course I have another book, The CW Geek's Guide to Having Fun with Morse Code, where I where I I went through basically the same material. Still talks a little bit about how to learn the code and then a little bit about how to operate and you know, basically how to have fun with it. Very good. Um so um why why CW? What what's your um, what fascinates you more about that than some of the other modes? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I think that it's, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's kind of a flow thing. You know, it's, a, it's certainly a skill. You know, I, I take certain pride in, uh, in developing my skill at sending and receiving. Uh, I sometimes joke that anybody can talk, but it, you know, it takes, uh, it takes some skill to send and receive Morse code. So that's not quite not not quite the case, of course. <laughs> Phone operation is a skill too, but uh, I think that's it more more than anything is the the skill involved. Okay, very good. Well, yeah, I I remember uh, taking uh, my test uh, when I was five, and you had to copy uh, a whole minute of a solid copy, and the first time I got twenty three letters and needed twenty five. Didn't make it, but the second time I got 104, so I made it and finally got up to 20 words a minute. I, I put it off for a long time. I got up to advanced by the time I was nine, mm-hmm. but the 20 words a minute, uh, I just, I was like, yeah, the theory, yeah, I can do that, but the code, no, there's no way. And uh, when I was 18, I finally said, okay, I need to be a VE now that we've got this VE stuff going on and I need to pass this. So I finally, uh, finally got the 20 words a minute down. It took a few times, but finally got it right before they, uh, they dropped all the code tests. So, um, it's a lot <laughs> well, of fun and I, and I still teach it. And, you know, I still remember it and I still teach it because, uh, some people want to do that just so they have a secret code. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and you know, so and I and I encourage people to try it. You know, and, and if it's not your thing, fine, don't don't do it. Don't let anybody browbeat you into, uh, you know, thinking that you you got to know code to be a real ham. Because I'm I'm I that's the least of my the farthest thing in my mind. But uh, I think everybody should try it just because I have a lot of fun with it, and and uh, uh, you know, you, you won't you won't know unless you try it. Very, very good, very good, and you know it hasn't uh, it hasn't gone away. There's still a lot of uh, a lot of people using CW, so give it a shot. And uh, there's all kinds of resources out there to uh, to help you do that as well. Eight one two net ham one is the phone number. Eight one two net ham one. If you want to ask a question to KB six NU about. Uh, his license uh, study guides or the uh, new extra class uh, pool that's out or uh, the blog. You know, we haven't haven't even mentioned the blog. Um, talk a little bit about the, the blog. Sure. So I, I sometimes joke that I have the number one rated ham radio blog. <laughs> and the, re- the reason I say that is most often if you uh, Google ham radio blog or amateur radio blog, I come up number one. <laughs> and and the reason for that is I think not not so much that I it's you know the best thing out there because there's lots of great blogs but uh, I've been at it a long time I've been doing it uh, 
over 12 years now, and there's over 2,500 posts, and um, uh, Google uh, uh, rates that highly, you know, longevity and, and amount of content. But there is a lot of good content on there, I think, and uh, a lot of people like to read it. So, Very good. I think we've got, yeah, it came through. Uh, we have our uh, first call of the night, a familiar one, K0MD. How are you this evening? Hi, good evening. I, nice to hear you on. I enjoy your show, as always, and I've enjoyed uh, hearing Dan's story tonight and reading his blog. Dan, what's your secret for keeping your blog so well-read? I mean, sometimes you tackle some controversial issues. Uh, do you ever get uh, criticized or uh, get a lot of heat from that, especially when you uh, criticize BRRL and uh, what's your experience been with that? <laughs> oh, oh, Scott just opened up a big can of worms there. All right, go ahead, Dan. It's all yours. <laughs> well, well you know is, what? This I, is a call-in show, right? We have to have some controversy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's well, good. you know, I, I'm not afraid of uh, tackling controversy. And, and, and uh, you know, it would be one thing if I just – criticize the ARRL. But I'm, a, you know, as you know, as you probably know, since you read my blog, I'm a big ARRL supporter. So all my criticism is aimed at making the ARRL better and in making ham radio better, not just the ARRL. So, so yes, I, I take on some controversial topics, but, but I, I walk the walk too. I just don't talk the talk. You know, I, I ran for uh, the board of directors twice. And and so I, I was ready to serve, you know, and and it didn't work out. I didn't get elected, but and that's another story. But uh, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take on controversial topics. And and the other part of it is is maybe I spend too much time doing this. I'm on I'm on like every ham radio mailing list you can think of. So I get all the new, and I'm on Twitter. I get you know I get news via Twitter about ham radio, and so I'm kind of I'm kind of. Ch- tuned in to what's happening in ham radio and and i conversely i turn around and put it on my blog for other people to to read so i think that's how i keep that fresh as well that makes sense and i i recall i think that your criticism of the league was simply focused on the fact that they were not growing membership as aggressively as you thought they should and well that, that would you it at Dayton, made a point of saying the league has to increase membership by two hundred thousand, or it will fold financially in the wrong long run because of the age of the ham population. So you were just probably a few years too early, but you were right on. Well, right, yeah, and I was going to mention that because you're right. That that was one of my latest, uh, I won't say criticisms, my latest um, things about the AWRL. And and I was I was at that meeting too. I was at that forum. And and I, I just haven't gotten around to writing about it yet. But the, but you're right on that new president. He he's got that in his mind. I don't know that he set a uh, a goal like I would like to have them set. Uh, my my thinking was that they should set a goal of 25 percent of licensed radio amateurs as the goal membership goal for the AWRL. But he, you're absolutely right. He's hot on on increasing membership, and I think that's great. I, I want to ask you a question about CW. If Neil will give me a little more time tonight, uh, yep. I have a work colleague who's a who's an extra class ham, but really a five word per minute ham. And I'm a sort of a higher speed CW contester. I like to do thirty five, thirty eight words a minute, uh, yep. and uh, during contests. So I find it hard to converse with CW at the slower speeds now because of uh, the setup that I have and. And just the uh, fact that once you get used to doing it, uh, higher words per minute, it's a challenge. Are there any nets or 
any uh, times of uh, events on the air where someone who wants to increase their speed from, say, 5 or 10 up to 20, uh, are there regular uh, groups of hams getting on to help one another? Uh, and what would you tell this uh, colleague of mine that he should do to increase his code speed? What's Other than get on the air, but it's hard. he said it's hard to find people, and he actually says we hams are a bit rude to him. Uh, they won't stay yeah. and talk to him because he's so slow. And uh, man, I wasn't surprised to hear that, but I was disappointed. And that'll be my last yeah. question, Neil. Thanks for taking the call. Oh, thanks yeah, I, for calling kinda, in, Scott. Go ahead, Dan. I'm kind of disappointed to hear, hear he's gotten that reaction, too. But, you know, there is a little portion of the 40-meter bands from 7100 to 7125 where a lot of slower speed operators hang out. He might try that. The other thing I would suggest is um, uh, if you if, if have him look into the CW Ops, CW Academy, and he can go to CWOps.org um, uh, for that. The CW Ops is a group that, uh, yeah, you know, in a way they're kind of a little bit of elitist. You You have to be able to operate at 25 words a minute or more and get five of the current members to support your membership. But but the one thing they do right and totally right is is the CW uh, Ops Academy. And it's t- totally designed to take slower speed operators and turn them into higher speed operators. The goal is to get them to that 20 word per minute uh, a plateau. So you might want to look into that. Well, thanks very much. And, Neil, I'm excited about your program going forward. You've got some great people lined up after Dan. So congratulations on the success of uh, your call-in show, and thanks for taking my call tonight. Yeah, we added several of your suggestions to the list today, so uh, we'll uh, look forward to hearing from you, and thanks uh, for the support and calling in. I appreciate that. All right. Well, that's going to... uh, finish things up pretty much for us tonight uh, we're just about out of time dan but uh, uh we've got about a minute here so if you've got any other tips that you've thought of or anything that you want to uh, throw in why well, go ahead and if not we'll just wrap things up well i just say one last thing um uh so getting back to the classes i would like to encourage all, everyone all the clubs out there to uh Teach, teach some tech classes. Uh, you don't have to do the one day if that's not your thing. You can do the more traditional ones. But I think it's important to, to have classes because, you know, hams are not getting any, any younger and, and, and um, people transfer from town to town. And the, I think the only way the clubs are going to stay in business is if they teach classes. And um, so I would, I would encourage that. And if anyone has any questions about that, I would love to – to take your uh, emails or even your phone calls, uh, you can email me at cwgeek at kb6nu.com, and I'll do what I can to help you uh, get get a class set up in your club. Very good. Again, that's cwgeek, G-E-E-K, uh, at kb6nu.com to contact Dan. Well, thank you, Dan, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Good luck with the uh, with the books, and good luck with your class coming up this weekend. Well, thanks, Neil. It was, a, it was a real pleasure. I I, uh, I hope I've uh, gotten a few neurons firing out there. <laughs> All right. Very good. Thank you so much. Uh, quick shout out to the Xenia Wireless Association. Uh, one of the guys from the Xenia, Illinois uh, Wireless Association came by the um, program that we had at Dayton. 
They're a 501c3 nonprofit uh, that's raising money for repeaters and emergency assistance and communications. So a shout out to them. And also jtron.com. Uh, they uh, have a lot of parts and kits and that kind of thing. And they wanted me to mention that they have a monthly soldering iron contest. So if you want to win one of those, go over to j-tron.com. Well, that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. I'd like to thank my guest, Dan Romanchik, KB6NU, and all the callers and listeners out there in cyberspace. I invite you back next Thursday night um, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time when Sean Kutzko, KX9X, the public relations manager and former contest manager at ARRL, will be here to talk about field day. So for a list of all of our upcoming guests, visit hamtalklive.com. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours.